What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. Geek. Geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. A more traditional setting in a podcast universe this time around. Not a live stream. No fun interactions with everybody while I'm recording this. Nope, just a traditional podcast medium where I'm talking into a microphone at nobody in particular, but I know at some point you're going to hear my voice. Another edition of Harvard Handicappers. It's JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel. I think we still have a fun episode on tap today. Uh, we're going to take a look. So there's going to be a couple of topics that we're going to discuss. Um, first off, I want to go through. So you remember last week how we did the hot and cold teams, right? And, and you know, kind of looked at their future going forward. Well, for me, I've got a list of about, I want to talk about like six to eight teams potentially. A couple of them, though, I have circled as teams I want to bet on going forward, teams I want to bet against going forward, trying to find those soft spots in the market where teams that are off to good starts, the market is getting a little too strong on, and teams that are off to not great starts, the market getting a little too low on, right? And so I think that there's some pretty good value in consistently playing on or against certain teams because it's funny. So when you talk to somebody and you have conversations around handicapping and you talk about, well, I'm going to fade this team. I don't like that term because I feel like it carries the implication of I'm just betting against this team every single night because they suck. And that's not necessarily the case when I talk about betting on or against teams. But I do think that there is some value in betting on teams or against teams consistently until the market catches up, right? Which is essentially fading, I know. Uh, But like, so I'll give you an example. And I think I talked about this on the last podcast or during the live stream on Wednesday. But regardless, the point still stands for those who didn't catch it, which is... If you go back to last season, there was a stretch in which Brooklyn had covered, I think it was 12 of 13 games. 
and I had bet on them, and I think it was like 10 or 11 of those games because I just saw an opportunity where the market just refused to catch up with the fact that this team was power-rated incorrectly. And that was kind of around the same time at which James Harden was flying solo. Kyrie got in there as well, a couple of those games. But the market was just too low on the Brooklyn Nets, too low. It actually started with a home game in which they were, I think they were home underdogs to the Indiana Pacers for some reason. So uh, that's just an example of what I'm talking about here. But if you're finding a team that is consistently mispriced by the market and you're able to take advantage of it, if you could see it coming first off, and then you can consistently take advantage of it until the market corrects itself, it's a really good strategy in the NBA regular season. So I'm going to go over a couple of those teams. Specifically, there's about three teams that I think the market is a little is due it's they're due for either a, a play on train here or a play against train so we're going to talk about those teams today we're going to talk about the totals again because that is still a hot topic totals still off to a really good start to the under uh through wednesday's games for those of you who are listening this late thursday early friday so all of the numbers that i'll give to you uh through there and then want to talk about rookie of the year and mvp i, I know it's a little early but i did add two futures uh, one in rookie of the year one in MVP, and uh, there is some MVPs uh, and one ticket that we have right now in the portfolio that I have in the portfolio that hopefully you have too um, that is off to a really, really good start and you feel good about from a statistical standpoint. So let's talk about these totals first really quickly. We'll get this out of the way because this has been kind of a boring topic and you know I think it's just it's been a lot of fun to track this. It's been interesting to track, but I got some more numbers for you to kind of see where we're at in terms of scoring, in terms of where we're at with totals, what the market has been doing. And, and what we're doing now going forward. So through Monday's games, uh, for those who do not know, totals 73, 44, and 1 to the under. 73, 44, and 1 to the under. So we're talking about 61.9% of contests through, um, actually not through Monday's games, excuse me, misreading my notes. These are through Wednesday's games. So through Wednesday's games, let me reiterate, through Wednesday's games, 73, 44, and 1 to the under. 61.9% of contests through Wednesday's games have gone under the total. Your average total to this point is 220.4. Now that's an important mark. Uh, If you go back into the NBA guide, Anna Burke did a great job of looking at average totals by year. Had it up through, of course, last season. So if you go through 2016-2017, average total at 210.6. 2017-2018, average total, 212.4. 218-2019, 221.7. That's when you start to regularly get in the 221.7s. Really big spike right there too, right? 2019-2020, 222.3. And then 2020, 2021, 224.1. So your average total this year down nearly four points from a year ago, and it is the lowest average total that we have seen on a game-by-game basis since the 2017-2018 season. So I would really recommend if you go through and you want to read some writing on this, Seth Partnow does a really good job at The Athletic. He's a former, I believe, he's a Milwaukee Bucks executive. We're going to try to get him on the podcast at some point, uh, but wrote about this, and he had a lot of interesting points about what we're seeing with scoring, what it really means as we move forward, and is this something that is going to continue as we move forward. And a lot of this, is, there's a lot about it rolls around it. But at the end of the day, the point here is, is that water's going to find its level to steal a term and that everything's going to come back to normal. So part now goes back to the 2003-2004 season and he tracked a whole bunch of stuff. League offensive rating, shooting, all of these things. And if you go back and you look at Partnow's numbers, and these are through Monday's games, right? His article is through the Monday's games. So go and view his work at The Athletic, S-E-T-H, Seth Partnow, P-A-R-T-N-O-W. So... 
going back to the 2003-2004 season, some of these numbers, but we'll start at the top. Through Monday's games, three-point shooting, 34.2% on threes for the league, down a full 2.5 percentage points from last year's all-time record and the lowest since the lockout season of 1998-1999. If you go back 2003-2004 and you track the league average offensive rating through 102 games, slow starts, though, are pretty normal. In fact, highest offensive rating through 102 games in a regular season was 2020-2021, which is last season. Average offensive rating through 102 games was on 108.9. And the same goes with those shooting figures we're talking about. Highest league-wide three-point percentage through 102 games since the 2003 and 2004 season was the 2020-2021 season. And this is a great quote from Partnow in the piece. Quote, Data from both the 2020 bubble and across the 2020-2021 season is, at minimum, highly suggestive that for whatever reason, fanless games created a kinder shooting environment than the standard arena setting. It ties in with the hot shooting from last season, right? Right Across the eight seasons, says part now, for which we have full tracking data, 2020, 2021, was the second time and the first since 2013-2014 when the aggregate three-point field goal percentage on uncontested threes exceeded 39%. In fact, for much of the season, that figure was around 39.5% before dropping over the final six to eight weeks, which, as he points out, coinciding with some arenas allowing greater fan capacities. So what we're looking at here, it's a mix of a lot of things, right? We start with the invi- the introduction of fans back into this thing. Where now you're talking about full crowds at arenas. Right? The shooting backgrounds are not the same. Because think about last year, especially the beginning of the year. Well, these guys are playing really hard basketball. As Partnow points out, in terms of these uncontested three-point shots that were going in at an insanely high rate last year, the backdrop for a shooter is just an empty gym. It's practice if it's an uncontested three. So I think that's why this year seems so jarring compared to last year. Mainly because... These guys are now in different environments. These are now hostile environments. They're true road environments, which we'll get to road environments at some point later in the show. But that's just the point, right? It's just the introduction of fans is not helping on the shooting, especially with those uncontested wide open looks. If you talk about the officiating, as we have spoken on, and Partner also points it out in his piece, it is brilliant, right? If you look at the years, fouls, foul calls, free throws are actually usually up at the beginning of every single season. Not every single season, but for the most part, foul calls and free throws are up at the beginning portions of seasons because the league will introduce a new emphasis in terms of rule calling. And so thus, those rules, those fouls are going to be called at a higher level. And thus, foul calls will be up at the beginning part of the year, but they usually just taper out and find themselves back to average as the year goes along, as players get used to it and all of those things. The difference with this season is they are enforcing a new rule and a new new rule emphasis. It's just that the new rule emphasis is that, hey, don't call these fouls. And so free throws are down as well. And then you get to the complaints from some of the players, right, when we're talking about the new ball that's been introduced. And for those who don't know uh, about this, the NBA uh, in the offseason introduced a uh, new ball, right? The the, uh, rule changes are a big topic about this, uh, but... They introduced a new ball now. Uh, Wilson is the official new maker of the NBA basketball. And so the new ball, and this is a uh, quote from an NBA uh, piece right here. Uh, I believe I want to get the author right so I can get this for you guys uh, in the proper fashion. Uh, Kurt Heelan. Kurt Heelan does a great job. We got to talk to him on the show multiple times. thought it was him. just wanted to make sure. 
but quotes from Paul George and others. But as you look at this, Wilson, uh, new maker of the official NBA basketball, Wilson tried to make the transition as smooth as possible with limited changes. The new ball, quote, is compromised of the same materials, eight-panel configuration, and performance specifications of the league's current game balls and source the same leather. But if you talk to other players, right, uh, how about this, said Paul George, Monday night. Quote, not to make an excuse or anything, but I said that about the ball. It's just a different basketball. It doesn't have the same touch or softness that the Spalding ball had. You'll see this year it's going to be a lot of bad misses. I think you've seen a lot of air balls so far this season. So again, not to put an excuse or blame the basketball, but it is different. It's no secret. It's a different basketball. End quote. Steven Silas. Quote, when we first got the ball, the guys, anything new, they were like, why'd they change and all that? But since the first couple of weeks we had the ball, I haven't had anyone come up to me and say anything about it. Rockets coach Stephen Silas, quote. So there's going to be different guys who feel different ways about this, uh, but this is something that is going to affect them early. This is not going to be something that carries on throughout the season, but these guys are going to have this effect. And if you watched the games, I think you've kind of noticed, right? Slippery hands. I was watching, if you were watching the Toronto Raptors game yesterday like I was, Fima Kailuk had about four or five possessions where he gets the ball and it just gets stripped out of his hands or he drops it, can't hold on to it. And that's just one observation on one player. But I think Paul George's quote is pretty good too in terms of more air balls. It does seem just thinking about it. And of course, right, you're going to go back, you're going to think about it, and you're going to get confirmation bias because you're reading something, you want to find it, that the new ball has affected these guys and the air balls are up. So regardless, what the point of this is, is we have a lot of different factors at play here, right? We have a new ball. We have new ways of officiating. And all, and we have fans back in the stands. And all three of these things are coming together to create some lower scoring, see, some uh, lower scoring, uh, lower scoring start to the season. If I could get through that, good thing I don't talk for a living, right? This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me JVT at Roach underscore ninety seven and at Vsin Live. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. 
Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, now as we move forward with all of this, I'm just going to say that, again, I know that there are a lot of trend betters out there that are looking at these and thinking, hey, man, unders are coming in at 62% clip, 61.9% to be exact. Just going to keep firing on these unders. But you have to realize that these adjustments are being made and you're losing value very quickly. When your average total is down essentially four points from a season ago, you're losing value. Last night, for example, and again, recording this on a Thursday, I was on Clippers and Minnesota Timberwolves, Los Angeles Clippers game. Bet that one over 212 right before tip-off. That game flies over the total, right? Flies over the total. These players are going to start to get used to this. And I know this might ring hollow coming off of a day in which over 11 games on Wednesday night, totals went 8-2-1 to the under. But remember, the previous two days, totals went to the over. Both of those days, on Tuesday and on Monday. So just keep this in mind as we go forward. The adjustments have been made by the market. We're looking at the lowest average total on games since the 2017-2018 season. And players are starting to get used to the situations that they have been given at this point right now. So, again, I would say I marked it down on Tuesday. Or, excuse me, on Monday. Just remember Monday, right? What was the date on Monday? For those who are, let's see, we want to keep track with me here, huh? Today's the 4th. I'm not good at math, so I'm just going to pull up the calculator. The first. Remember November 1st. <laughs> Everybody seen V for Vendetta? Remember, remember the whatever. Is it December or November? I think it's November. Uh, regardless, remember November uh, 1st because I think that's when we're going to start to see that swing back in the favor of overs. All right, with that, let's talk about some of these teams individually and, and what we're expecting going forward. So we're recording this on Thursday. Um, in all, you know, in, to be fair or to be clear, um, we're recording this at 3.51 IM, uh, PM on Thursday. So this Grizzlies, or excuse me, Grizzlies, this Heat-Celtics game is going to tip off in the matter of 45 minutes or so. So this is going to be some dated information, but this is also going to be pretty good to listen back to, right? Um, because we'll see if this theory is proving true. But let's talk about the Heat for a second. Miami Heat 6-1 and one on the season, both straight up and against the spread. If you look at it from a statistical standpoint, Miami Heat first in net rating, first in offensive efficiency, first in defensive efficiency. These numbers courtesy of cleaning the glass, which sorts out garbage time minutes and possessions at the end of quarters that are highly likely to end up in a heave. So it kind of gives you a more basic idea of what these teams are doing in the high leverage portions of the game. So Heat, in through seven games, have one loss and have outscored their opponents by 16.8 points per 100 possessions. Absolutely fantastic. They're, but... You're getting to the point now where I think the market is reaching kind of its high on the power rating for the Miami Heat. And the case in point for this was this Celtics game, right? Whenever you're making power ratings, 
And whenever you're talking about these games and the lines and the differences between teams, remember that you're like, as Jeff Vogel, my former colleague of Easton always taught me, right? You're moving teams in couplets, right? You know, if you have power ratings on teams and you're setting lines, you know, teams move together in certain matchups, right? And so, for example, let's say you have a 100 rating on Miami. Well, they're a seven-point favorite here. Home court this year has factored out to two points at this point right now, mathematically. So five points on a neutral. So if you have Miami as 100, then you got to have Boston as a 95. And if you got Miami as a 95, then you got to have Boston as a 90, right? Because that's what the line is. And if you move Miami up or down, that affects the line in terms of where you have them as a rating. So for example, to keep going, if you have Miami as a 100 and Boston as a 95 to initially begin with, but then you think Boston is worse, right? If you move Boston down, that means Miami in that matchup is now going to be, let's say you move them down two spots, seven on a neutral, which means they're going to be a nine-point favorite on their home court. So all of these teams, when you have your spots and their power ratings, right? Power ratings are pretty static for the most part. And so let's go back to October 29th. Miami Heat were a six and a half point favorite at home against the Charlotte Hornets. They won that game 114 to 99. And yet they open up in this spot against the Boston Celtics, laying a half point more and in some spots a full point more at seven and a half. Well, that doesn't really hold water, right? Because the Boston Celtics were actually one and a half point favorite on the road in Charlotte in a game that they won, by the way, right? They won and covered that game. So it doesn't make sense from a power rating perspective to then make Miami a point higher in a matchup against a team that is power rated better than a team that they were laying a lower number against the week before. I'm speaking slow, so hopefully that follows. But regardless, so to me, that gives me a sense of, okay, Miami has been great, statistically has been dominant, but maybe we're reaching the point now where it's time to sell high a little bit here on Miami. Maybe it's time to start to take some inflated numbers with some relatively decent teams. And then we can get into the matchup with Boston, but this isn't going to be about handicapping that because by the time you get to it, you know, it's going to be over by the time you're listening to this. But I just want to lay out my process, a thought process, and hopefully you, you know, can adopt that when it comes to your thought processes, when it comes to making power ratings and all of these things. You know, these are pretty steady. These are across the board. You have your power ratings. Power ratings are set. If I have Boston at a 95 and I have Charlotte at like a 92, whatever it is, 94, okay? And I have the Celtics at a 100, right? You're not going to change the power. Like, that's that's not going to change, right? You're not going to lay different numbers based on different power ratings. Your power ratings are all one set. And so when you look at a situation like that, that to me looks like there's some difference there. Hopefully that was clear sit here like I like the, like um, just the talking into the ether and nobody's here by the way for those who don't know wife and kid out in California just chilling in the apartment all by myself ah, sad existence all right with that let's get through the other teams here all right so let's talk about some other squads I think one team that is on the verge of a, uh, a regular play against for me is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies so let's talk about them six and two against the spread through eight games so far this season they are five and three on the year straight up they just took two at home against the Denver Nuggets, a team that we're going to get to as some of the worst teams in the NBA from a spread perspective. The uh, Grizzlies got something coming for them, man. I'm sorry, but this Memphis team is getting away with murder at this point right now. Memphis, 24th in, uh, let's see, let's make sure this is correct. Yep, 24th in net rating, negative 2.7. They're getting outscored by 2.7 points every 100 possessions. As of Thursday afternoon, they have the worst defensive efficiency in non-garbage time minutes at 114.4 per cleaning the glass. 
They are forcing turnovers at an insanely low rate defensively, just 13.8% at this point of the year. They are getting away with murder in terms of the way that they're playing defensively. And it's great. Look, they have the seventh best offense in the NBA at this point right now, 111.7, but still getting outscored by nearly three points every 100 possessions and non-garbage time minutes. And they're 6-2 and two against the spread. You tell me what's sustainable when you listen to some of those numbers. John Morant's great. And I get the whole hubbub around him about three or four days ago when everybody was betting him to an MVP and all that kind of stuff. This Grizzlies team has issues. And so as we move forward, when we're looking at the Memphis Grizzlies from a betting perspective, they're going to be a team that is on my list to consistently play against until I either get burned, which I did on Monday, by the way, playing against them with the Denver Nuggets, but their upcoming schedule at the Washington Wizards, home versus Minnesota, home versus Charlotte, home versus Phoenix. Now, the good part is when you listen to Washington, Minnesota, Charlotte, two of those games being at home, you think, okay, well, those are all some teams that are kind of along the same level, right? From a power rating perspective, those are all very similarly rated teams. And that's very true, which means just following the way the market's been going, you might get some inflated numbers to grab some points there with some home under, or excuse me, some with some road underdogs. But that spot at Washington is going to be interesting because Washington has not been playing well defensively and they're starting to kind of, you don't want to call it falling apart at the seams because that's extreme, but they have one of the worst half court defenses in the NBA at, let me see, I'll double check the actual figure for you because it's kind of important. I have so many, I have all of my notes up right now at this point. Uh, Let's see, defensively for the Washington Wizards in terms of the half court, 23rd at this point right now, 95.1 points every 100 plays in half court situations. If you go through these last few games that they have played, right, because they have uh, they are stuck on a little bit of a losing skid right now. They have lost two consecutive games as of Thursday afternoon. If you look at their defensive rating in those two games, 121.6 against Atlanta, 111.8 against the Toronto Raptors. If you look at their half-court defensive ratings, 109 to Atlanta, 97.6 to Toronto. So you can kind of see these signs coming, right? Wednesday night, I was on Toronto partly because it's two things meeting together. That's a team in Toronto that I think is undervalued that the market hasn't really caught up to. It was the second consecutive game I had bet on Toronto, and that was the first game in which I wanted to play against Washington because I felt that they were at the start of a downturn here, and we're starting to see it. So that's going to be interesting when they meet up with Memphis coming up on, I believe it's Friday, just given the fact that those are two teams that I think are play against teams, which could lead us to potentially an overplay, right? Because now we have three things all working together. We have two poor defensive teams. We have two really overvalued teams by the market. And we have this trend of unders and the lowest average total on the board in four seasons now, five seasons. So maybe that leads to a total uh, play over. So we'll see what that's going to be the case and if uh, we're going to get value on that total. We'll see where it opens up at this point right now. And some of these are opening too, by the way, uh, on the overnight. So for example, screen, uh, let's see, nothing on, nothing on Memphis and Washington yet as of this recording. So keep an eye out for that. So we knocked two birds out with one stone, Memphis and Washington, two teams I want to start to play against as we move forward. Uh, One more team, and I think that, and Miami, and one more team that I think is interesting. And I, I don't even think the Bulls are a team that I want to consistently play against. I just, I, because I could be wrong on Chicago. Chicago might actually be good. And so I'm wondering, but they're 6-2 and two against the spread, covering at a 75% rate. So I wonder, just at what point that starts to regress here a little bit. They failed to cover against the Philadelphia 76ers. I've been waiting to take my shot. Ultimately didn't want to do it, given all the injuries to Philadelphia. Philadelphia ultimately doesn't. 
So maybe this is the start of something moving forward. And look, I think when you look at Chicago from an opponent's standpoint, which is perfectly fair at this point right now, they haven't really played anybody. They took on the Utah Jazz. They didn't have Mike Conley in that game. They got that win outright as a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. They played Boston, and they were down by double digits, but Boston collapsed and didn't get a single rebound in the uh, fourth quarter. Became the first team in the shot clock era to lead by 14 or more points going into the fourth quarter and lose by 14 or more points in regulation. And then they take on Philadelphia. So I still think it's fair to sit back and look and see, eh, we don't really know much about Chicago, but they continue to deliver at an extremely high rate. And statistically, you can't find many cracks in the armor with what they've put up at this point right now. Now, I think there's an argument to be made that they have not taken on any of the best offensive teams in the NBA, and thus their defensive rating is what it is. One of their worst defensive ratings of the season was Boston, a relatively skilled offensive team, despite all the struggles they're having as a team overall. But I can't really find on the market a situation in which I want to start to play against Chicago. So they're on a temporary list. They're on one to keep an eye on. Maybe the you know the fade starts to come. But at this point right now, Chicago, while they're on my list of teams I want to keep track of, there's just not a situation on the schedule to me that seems like there is one. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. Can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so now let's get to some of the teams that are off to pretty bad starts. And I got to tell you, so it's funny. Like, I want to find teams that are undervalued, right? So Toronto's one of them. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Toronto, though, because they've covered two consecutive games and they have won. Or no, excuse me. They have covered four out of five games and won five straight. So the market might be catching up here with Toronto. Not worth spending a ton of time on it. But, like, when you look at some of these teams that are bad right now, what makes it pretty interesting is, like, three of these teams, the market can't get enough of. Like, they're still betting them, and it ties into some of these bad ATS. So, I'll give you an example, right? So, the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers on, what was it? I'm going to look this up really quickly. This makes for great podcasting, I know. But stick with me for a second, because I accidentally closed my notes, and that's not something that you want to do. When doing a live show. Technically, it's not live, but I'm recording it live. Against the Rockets, right? Against the Rockets on Monday night. Excuse me. Forgive me. Or is it Tuesday night? Uh, regardless, when they last took on the Rockets, right? Market bet them up in that spot against the Rockets. And I get it. I guess it's like the thought of, hey, second game of a two-game series. Remember, they played, had a day off, and then played again. Maybe the market was in on that because they figured the Lakers would bounce back against them. Not the case. 119 to 117. The Lakers win, but they did, they don't come close to covering that contest. And now on the season, they fall to just two spreads, or excuse me, two covers at this point right now. Two and six ATS, 25% cover rate at this point. But the market just won't stop betting them. You know, today's Thursday, so we'll see what they do against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But before the LeBron, LeBron James injury news, if I can get through that, wow, that was bad. The market got up to 13 and a half. LeBron James ruled out for the week, gets down to 10, gets to 10 and a half. So the market, like, I get it. It's the Los Angeles Lakers, you know. When you got those uniforms on, you're always going to get public support. But at the end of the day, the market just cannot get enough of some of these teams. The other team, right, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have been abhorrent with some of these big numbers, and the market can't get enough. New Orleans Pelicans, 11 and a half point favorite. Now, to be fair, they end up covering that, but they need a massive fourth quarter to do so on Tuesday night. 112 to 110 to 100. They close as an 11.5 point favorite. They cover by a half point. The Cleveland game. I was on Cleveland in that game the day before Halloween. Got 10. They stayed within that number. Ended up losing by 9. 101 to 92. Sacramento, the game prior to that, where if you remember on the edge, we were on the Kings in that matchup, catching 8. They lose the game outright. How about the game before that at Portland where they're getting respected? Right again, as we talked about, right? Home court right now, worth about two points. They're catching two and a half. Boom. Lose that game outright. Blown out. Denver to open the season. They were laying six. 110 to 98 loss. 
Like this Phoenix team has some issues, especially on the defensive end. And maybe they're starting to work things out, and especially as they start to get healthy, right? Because this is the interesting part about Phoenix is out of all of these teams that we're discussing that are the good teams, or excuse me, these, uh, these bad teams against the spread that are being perceived as good and still getting bet up like the Lakers and like the Suns right now. I think the Suns are the best candidate to start to turn things around here because guys like Cameron Painter coming back, DeAndre Ayton had an injury issue that he's going to be fine, but starting to come back and work his way back, missed the game in that mix too against New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll see if that's going to start to be the case, but this is a Suns team that is still getting priced like they were, you know, like they weren't actually last season, right? They were a really good cover team last season. Now the market's overcorrected itself and that equates to a two and four record against the spread through the early portion of the season. Uh, The other team, and this is one where I think this is going to be a problem going forward for the rest of the year. The Denver Nuggets right now, I think are in a bad spot. Offensive rating, 104.2, 24th in the NBA, non-garbage time minutes. Their defense is great. That's fine. And as of this, as of this point, plus 1.6 on the net rating, outscoring opponents by 1.6 points every 100 possessions. But they just get done losing in a two-game set to the Memphis Grizzlies where they can do nothing from an offensive standpoint against one of the worst teams in the NBA, at least in the first game. Point per possession in the first matchup. Offensive rating got much better, 114. Only problem is you give up a defensive rating of 116.1, you lose the game 108 to 106. And the biggest problem I have with the Denver Nuggets is the fact that this bench is just not good. Nikola Jokic, when he is off the floor for the Denver Nuggets, they are outscored by 25... They are not outscored because it's only like it's a short amount of possession. So we'll put it this way: a negative twenty-five point four net rating. I will say that again: when Nikola Jokic is on the bench, the Nuggets have a negative twenty-five point four net rating. Their offensive efficiency ninety-four point five. They are terrible whenever Jokic isn't out there. And the problem is, unlike a team like Phoenix, who had a bench player who's pretty solid at sparking the offense and campaign or a key role player who's a little dinged up who's about to come back and DeAndre Ayton. Nuggets got nobody coming to save them until March, April, and Jamal Murray, unless they're going to make a trade. Nikola Jokic on the court, plus 14.2. Think about that difference. Negative 25 to plus 14. That's massive, man. This Nuggets team has some really big problems. And when you look at the way that they have been handling things from a spread perspective. This is another team, not as bad, 3-5 and five ATS, but you're talking about over the span of their last, what is it now, seven games? Let me see, make sure I have this correct. Yeah, the last seven games, 2-5 and five ATS. So they covered that first matchup, but since then, 2-5 and five ATS, and your covers are against Dallas and Minnesota. So, and by the way, yeah, thanks to the, one of the covers I was on Minnesota that night. <laughs> But regardless, you know, the point is, is that this Nuggets team has some real flaws. And these are not flaws that are going to get it fixed anytime soon, right? You can, ta- you can talk about the Lakers and the fact that they're overvalued by the betting market and that they're figuring things out on the offensive end of the floor and the defensive end with new personnel and they're super injured, right? We could talk about the Phoenix Suns that we just gave out, the litany of reasons potentially why. But this is what the Denver Nuggets are. And I think that's the scary thing about this. So until the market starts to adjust here on potentially how weak this Nuggets team is, right? Yeah, you might have a little bit of a problem there. 
in terms of betting on the Denver Nuggets going forward. All right, we'll keep this episode short. We're recording this late on the Thursday. I want to get to one more thing before we get you guys out of here, and that would be the futures market. So I made two bets. Uh, one, I just want to laugh at really quickly. So I threw a couple of shekels down on Rudy Gobert to win MVP at 100-1. to 1. Now, this is not to say that I think Rudy Gobert is going to win MVP. Uh, I do not think that is the case. Uh, I think that what we have seen through the early part of the year, Rudy Gobert has been absolutely fantastic, right? And he's very valuable to what the Utah Jazz want to do, okay? I'm trying to come about this nicely. Now, part of the reason why Rudy Gobert is getting so much tension, because he is, I don't know if any of you have seen this, um, but Rudy Gobert um, is the second choice on Basketball References MVP tracker behind Jimmy Butler. I think that's really the driving force behind all of this, right? Because in some spots he is down to thirty to one to win MVP. I put like put like twenty bucks on him at one hundred to one. Look, Rudy Gobert is a great player. Rudy Gobert is not winning MVP. Now you are going to get a smattering of votes for Rudy Gobert. But if you go back to last season when Nikola Jokic won the award, Rudy Gobert ended up getting a total of eight points. He got five fifth-place votes, and he got a fourth-place vote. So maybe you get some votes in there. But Rudy Gobert's not winning MVP, especially when you have guys like Paul George doing what they're doing. Paul George has been absolutely incredible with his offensive output. As of Thursday night, the leading scorer in the NBA, Paul George, oh yeah, you heard that right, Leading scorer in the NBA, 28.9 points per game, averaging 7.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, fifth best player in PER. And by the way, pet peeve. Like, just say PER. It's not per. Just say PER, player efficiency rating. Like, I hate when, like, you know, like in the NFL, you have average depth of target. Some stat nerds will call it ADOT. Like, just, just say average depth of target. You don't have to get cute. But anyway, Paul George has been incredible. Leading scorer in the league right now. I got him at 50 to 1. He's going to do so. The other, and this is one I would I would really, if anything, to me, this might turn into my Julius Randle campaign that was a year ago. If you remember the pod, um, we had a Julius Randle to win most improved player at 22 to 1. Franz Wagner to win rookie of the year can still be found in the range of 30 to 1. That's where I got him. I would highly recommend going to get that right now. Third leading scorer among rookies, Scotty Barnes is coming back in terms of injury, so that's not something that's working for him. But regardless, among rookies, as of Thursday, third in scoring, 14.9 points, 3.6 rebounds. Some of his shooting numbers, though, man, he has been brilliant. Shooting 41.7% from three, 49.5% from the floor. He's got two 20-plus point games at this point right now. He has looked comfortable for the Orlando Magic. I would highly recommend it because here at the at the at the very end of this, right? It is not you know we could talk about the, him winning the award, all these things. I think it is very clear he is at worst the third best rookie in the NBA, and that is not thirty to one odds, folks. That is not thirty to one odds. He's a really solid player, and he's going to continue to get better as he looks pretty comfortable on the offensive end of the floor. All right, with that, let's uh, wrap this up. This is a quick, cool pod. Uh, I really enjoy your time as always. Um, and next Thursday, of course, we'll be back with the podcast. You listen to The Edge, vcin.com slash JVT. And if you're listening, please, if you could, just like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. Really appreciate the feedback and the support as always. And as always, you can reach out on Twitter at me, JVT. I try to get back to everybody too, so I always appreciate when you guys reach out. 
have a lot of fun having conversations about hoops, man. I think you guys know me by now. We'll talk to you next week, all right? What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.